0: Hi, Jim here. Thanks for listening to this past episode of the Ski Podcast. Since releasing this podcast, we have a new supporter of the show. The Ski Podcast is now supported by Switzerland Tourism. They will be helping us explore some of the 355 ski destinations across the country, from famous names of Samaritz, Lax, Davos and Zermatt, to the lesser known resorts that cover their mountainous land. We will be reporting on them and telling interesting stories about the people who live and work there. In total, there are 7,067 kilometres of slopes to ski and 1,800 lifts to ride. And at least 80 of them are funiculars, which is good because I do love a good funicular. Well, there's a lot to do. So while we get on with that, you can get on with listening to this episode of the Ski Podcast. Thanks, listener. And thanks, Switzerland Tourism. Welcome back to the Ski Podcast. We have been on our summer break and I've been making the most of the mountains as you will probably hear in the next 10 minutes or so. I am Jim Duncan and the co-host of this podcast is Ian Martin. Ian, how's your tan?
1: Actually my tan is pretty good because I just got back from the mountains myself uh, earlier this week and we're lots of time outside uh, kind of running and paddleboarding and things like that.
0: Uh, coming up in today's show, we're going to be chatting to Emily Sarsfield about ski training camps for women. There will be a lot of running chat. I expect some cycling chats. We have a question um, in the imaginatively titled Ask Jim and Ian section. And Ian will be chatting to a man who has been skiing in Montenegro. You can get into the touch. You can get in touch with the show as always on Twitter at The Ski Podcast. Find us on Facebook, email Jim at the ski uk or Ian at the ski podcast. Um, Ian is on that Twitter at skipedia, or you can find me on Instagram at the average skier. Ian, you've been in the mountains almost as much as me this summer, um, probably more. In fact, um, have you been
1: skiing? No, skiing was one of the things I, I uh, didn't take on, but um.
0: Did you think about No, it? to be honest
1: with you, I, don't, I didn't think about it at all. Although, you know, I'm sure that you're aware that um, most of the uh, glaciers in France all closed early this summer because uh, of the very high temperatures. But it wasn't on my radar, no. I was too busy. yeah, you And know, a lakes and mountains holiday in the Alps is there's, there's plenty of other things to do.
0: Yeah, I mean, I haven't really thought about skiing uh, much this past six weeks. So I expect, uh, based on that in, it's going to be a very insightful show. Um <laughs> <laughs> no one thinking about skiing so far. Um, right, let's crack on. Uh, I know you're keen. Um, and, uh, this is just, I know you're keen, Ian, to talk about the Tour de France.
1: Oh, yes, OK. Are you not keen to talk about oh, the Tour de France? No. Well, we're going to do it anyway. <laughs> because it did go through the um, the big ski resorts of um, the Tarantès uh, this summer. But notable in the, in the fact that um, there was a stage finish due uh, to happen in teen which never made it there. They went over the uh, Col de on the way down into Val d'Isère and they called the race off uh, just after they'd gone through Val d'Isère due to uh, dangerous conditions and a landslide on the road. I don't know if you were in... Were you in France uh, at that time or were you in the UK? Um, I was in the UK. Well, you were lucky then, weren't you? Because it was clearly raining extremely heavily and, you know, I felt... Uh, as much as you can feel uh, empathy for a resort, I felt gutted for Teen because the amount of work that goes into uh, hosting the finish or, uh, of a, a stage of the Tour de France is immense. And the Tour didn't even get there. There would have been you know, probably tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of people on the road up there. And uh, no cyclists, no one crossing the line and no coverage uh, in the global uh, TV coverage of the event. How, so, how close did know, they get? Gutting go? for teen. They got to the bottom, just down by the, uh, I can't remember what that lake is called, but the lake uh, that falls just after Val before you turn left to go up to
0: oh, the reservoir at Brevier. Yes, and how exactly. how soon did was it literally minutes before they arrived, or was it quite? Uh, did they know?
1: Well, they you know, obviously had would have had to have done the ascent. I don't think it's particularly uh, uh, long from them, but yeah, we're talking about the final half an hour or so, something like that.
0: No, but I mean, how how quick did they cancel it? Was it were they um, did they know it's going to be cancelled in advance, uh, or was it literally minutes uh, before they arrived? No,
1: no, no. It happened. It happened during the race. Oh, it right. was extremely. Uh, uh, Confusing for most people who were trying to follow it online because they they'd already um, cycled up over the Col de Lizaran and conditions weren't ideal and uh, they thought initially they called it off because of the uh, the danger of rain on the roads on the way down and you've seen how fast these guys go down um, down these uh, uh, roads but there was actually a landslide that you know there's no way the cyclists would have been able to uh, to get through. Uh, on the way up to teen. So, you know, they didn't really have any choice. You know, Teen couldn't, um, you know, complain about it per se. Um, but more promising news for the Val uh stage. There was a stage that finished there, the actual very important stage, penultimate stage. And I was chatting to the uh, head of the tourist office from Val at a Three Valleys event uh, earlier in the summer. And he told me that for that stage and they, they had a reasonable weather for that day, they were expecting 300,000 people to um, line the road between Moutier and VT. And that is 10 times as many beds as they have in that valley.
0: That is a, a good start.
1: It's a good start. And he also told me three weeks before the event, there were already motorhomes parked on some of the bends, you know, so they could <laughs> get the best positions. I like putting
0: towels down at um, a beach resort, saving your spot.
1: Yeah. Right, yeah, yeah. Except they were they were Dutch rather than the stereotypical uh, German in that case. Uh, had I been so for them,
0: you, I was going to say, had I been more prepared for this segment, Ian, I would have got um, some quotes or an interview with uh, Team Sky GB um, coach, um, who is a, a friend of ours. But um, I wasn't that prepared. Sorry about that.
1: Oh, well, we'll get that one for another time because uh, that, that would be a good one, that get the listeners up. Uh, but yeah, V T anyway, very successful for them uh, and uh, a, you know, a very high-profile uh, a- event for them. So that was a Tour de France in, uh, in the Tarantès, uh, a mixed bag.
0: A mixed bag. Well, I'm glad I'm glad you enjoyed it. And I know loads of people do, so don't, don't feel I'm negative about it. I just have zero knowledge <laughs> or um, interest about it. Um, but what's more up my street, Ian, um, is this a new yeah. Lego set.
1: Oh, yeah. Do you have Lego, Lego
0: at home? Um, do I have Lego at home? Yeah, I've got loads of Lego. Yeah. yeah. Um,
1: and is it you but, who uses it or the kids?
0: Uh, children who use it. Um, Connie has... See, um, we looked at this one, this new Lego set for, that they're bringing out. It's a ski-based one, and it's got um, a, a restaurant, um, a ski patrol place, a hire shop. You get a helicopter and a skidoo and stuff. I mean, it is, I mean, do you want to go in-depth about this here, or do you just want me to brush over it
1: lightly? Oh, I don't know. It depends how keen you are on it. You looked into it, and what did you decide? Oh, did the kids think, yeah, that looks great?
0: Um, I haven't shown the kids, I'm sure their children would like it, but for me it feels like they've just grouped together a few things that they've got and put it in the same box. It doesn't feel like they've really taken enough time over it. It's kind of a letdown, the opportunity was so good. Um, We nearly bought the Lego Peace Basher the other day, it was Hadley's birthday, and that was one of his choices in the toy shop before. We'd been in there an hour and I kind of lost. the (laughs) Um, And he ended up with something you probably shouldn't have bought, but I had to get out. Um, but we also, we had um, Lego Friends, which is um, a bit like uh, another part of Lego, and they've got some really good Lego ski sets. They've got proper chalets, ski resorts, working chairlifts. So, you know, if you're going to buy Lego ski stuff, look for the Lego Friends ski set. Is That's my uh, big review on it.
1: Okay, that, that's good. I noticed they had a, um, a, a snowmobile uh, skidoo that is actually towing an injured skier. In a blood wagon to make it as realistic as possible. Yep, that's I think great. That's a bit worrying for uh, small children to be, uh, you know, threatened with the idea of being towed off the mountain.
0: Oh, I think it's good Ian, to give them some realism
1: in their life and
0: say this is the <laughs> potential dangers of this sport. Mm.
1: I have a feeling it's just not as good as Playmobil. I know they've got a, uh, a, a movie coming out. They're trying to challenge Lego in that respect, but I think the Playmobil uh, ski. Uh, offering is much better than Lego. You got, you got a view on that one?
0: Um, I think I will agree. However, um, Lego. I, I, our family seem to prefer Lego more. It's for us. It's about building um, and creating and taking it apart. Not a lot uh, of play goes into our Lego. It's a lot of, more about the construction. And uh, we've got um, okay, well not, absolute ton of Playmobil, and I feel like it gets
1: underused. OK, well, it is a construction set. And for those people who keen, we'll put a link in the show notes. But uh, I believe it's number 60203 and its RRP is £75. And it's going to go on sale in about a week's time. i you want to get in there and order £24. yours now.
0: £74, that's a lot of money.
1: Um,
0: it's a lot of money. It's an awful lot of money. Uh, if you're not going to do Lego in the mountains, there are a lot of other things you can do in the summer. One popular thing is running. Uh, Ian, you've been doing quite a lot of that. You've been... Um, in Grimentz, where I went skiing last winter.
1: Yeah, that's right. Um, I went on a press trip with Switzerland Tourism to Grimentz and Zinal. And uh, wow, you know, it is undoubtedly the best press trip I've ever been on. You know, this is my ideal press trip in that you get up in the morning, have breakfast, go running, have lunch, go running, have dinner and then go to sleep and then do the same thing again the next day. And it's such a a beautiful uh, area. There's a very famous race called the Sierra Zinal uh, trail race, mm-hmm. um, which we ran some of that uh, course. We didn't run all of it because it's, you know, a pretty significant uh, uh, race. But, yeah, g- gorgeous area. And um, I'm guessing I ran across, you know, at least some of the slopes that you skied across when you were there last winter.
0: I mean, I'm, I can probably guarantee that. It's not a massive ski area.
1: Yeah, did you go down into um, Zinal? I, at
0: all? I did. Yes. Yeah, we did it. I think we did pretty much all of it. So yeah, yeah we well, probably got across the same runs that you were running. Like.
1: Yeah. Well, I walk. I walked up. I walked up from Zinal, uh to the to the top station of uh, well to the cable car, and then on to where the chairlift uh, finishes at the top of that ridge, um, where then you can I think you can look down on the other side and see uh, a reservoir.
0: Yep, that's correct. It's a beautiful view up there, isn't it? Did
1: you see that at all? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, so that was a that was a a, a good morning. And it was just amazing weather. And the cows. I know you're particularly keen on the cows. I did post a video while we we're in Switzerland um especially for you because I know you love the sound of those cowbells. But they were actually fighting each other on the way down. It caused me to take a big diversion. You know they have this bataille deren. Do you know what that is? Where the cows fight no, each they're other not. in like Switzerland? Bullfighting. Right. Okay. Well, yeah, except with cows. <laughs> Cowfighting. Um it's a particular type of cow, and that's uh, they love to uh, attack each other, and they're uh, attacking each other as we were running past. So, consequently, took a quite a big diversion there. So those are definitely ones that you should watch out for. I'll put a link to the battle ida ren or, or a video from one into the show notes. Quite a big deal in Switzerland to uh, to produce your winning cow. Oh
0: right, how to produce a winning fighting cow.
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't know the to answer. The stick, I people suppose.
0: try. Um uh I was meant to go running um in a competition this weekend. But not a competition, ah. yet, yeah, a challenge, a challenge, not a competition, is it? It's a challenge. Um, but uh, okay. it's the big, it's The Air, is what it's called here. Um, and it's quite a nice one. We talked about it before. You get cheese all the way around and stuff like that. And, you know, I, I only started running oh, in yes, uh, yes. April, May, May and June. I ran loads. So I was getting up to a good distance. And I thought, I'll wait and see how I'm feeling to enter one of these competitions. And everyone's taking the spaces. There's no spaces left apart from the 7K. And I thought, alright. Yeah. Are so, because I, 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 I couldn't decide, if we are going to do four.
1: So you left
2: it. I you left, left it too late. Tonight. I couldn't decide:
0: should I do the seventeen or the twenty-seven? Because I wanted, I didn't know how, where I was going to be, and if I wanted, I wanted the mm. challenge rather than just taking part. Um, all the places are gone. Mm. The seven K still had some places left, so I went to apply for that. And then I remembered that in in <laughs> France, when you're entering competitions and stuff like that, you need to have a doctor's note to say you can race. Um, so yes. it was meant to be. It's tonight. Um, I haven't got a doctor's note. I haven't got time to go and get one, so I won't be doing it but I have got the course map right. so I might just go and do it anyway
1: okay okay well that, that still uh that still counts I think uh you'll be able to get your Strava uh on there but that doctor's certificate is always every one of those races you have to have fortunately there's a friend of ours who is a doctor so I just type up a little piece of paper for her uh saying Ian's healthy enough to do this race and she uh she signs and stamps it for me um, but yeah, I had I, to. I, I
0: was tempted to forge it, but then I realised I needed a stamp.
1: <laughs> yeah, I had to do that for. I was in Morzine during the course of uh, the the summer holiday, and we I did a race called the Trail des 4 which is a fifty-one kilometer mm-hmm. race. So it starts in Morzine, one thousand meters, and then basically you run around, up and down in the Port de Soleil ski area. You actually come down through Avoriaz once, then back down to the bottom to the Prodan uh, gondola if you. If you know that at all, and then the final climb is back up the you know, the Prodan, so you can see the gondola going past you on your right as you're going up through the trees, Ooh. and it finishes back in a voreas. and it was almost four thousand meters of climbing. It was a hot day, thirty-one degrees Celsius, and I found it very very hard, but I uh, did finish, so that was good. How, how long did that take? It took me. I think it took me nine and a half hours uh, in a long total. Time. It's a long time, you're right. But you know, beautiful environment to uh you know, as you know from your running. Just a beautiful environment to be around. But uh, you know, and I loved you know, I'd never been to Morzine in summer. Um, a lot of mountain bikers. You know, I knew it was big for mountain biking, but I just had no idea how many. It's just it's just huge. They're all over the place. Looking really mean. Do you have them in Laclooza?
0: We don't get as many. I tried to go mountain biking the other day and hire one, but we didn't book ahead and no one
1: had any stuff. They just look really mean with those huge uh, helmets on and all of their body armour and stuff.
0: Yeah, maybe they need to invent some more friendly looking um, stuff. Yeah. It's quite threatening,
1: isn't it? It's, yeah, quite threatening. And then uh, and then maybe they tilt their helmet on the back of their head, which is a weird kind of thing as they're back in town. But, but regardless, Morzine, you know, I really liked it. Um been a long time since i skied there and uh avoria you know in summer really nice as well have you been to avoria's
0: uh yeah i've um been and stayed and skied in avoria's
1: yeah so it's you, quite, you...
0: Quite, quite teeny isn't it quite
1: um, yeah quite actually. small but you know that area kind of in the center it's been very well designed mm-hmm. in, in the middle where it's uh you know they have all the kids um beginner slopes and stuff like that in the summer there there's there's tennis courts and a massive children's playground and it's just opposite the Aquarius and you know good place for my family to wait (laughs) while they're waiting for me to uh, eventually make it up the hill about an hour and a half later than I said I would be.
0: (laughs) I'm glad they weren't waiting there all the nine hours that would have been quite tedious. (laughs) Right then um, what's next Ian what have we got on next on the schedule?
1: Well, I think uh, we had a question come in via uh, Facebook, which is really one for you. It was from Liz Murray. And she asked uh, whether you can recommend anywhere in La Clusa to take her two boys uh, skiing. Uh, Have you seen this question?
0: Uh, Yes, I have indeed. Um, She says, we want to uh, go to La Clusa. The only thing that really matters is a decent ski school set up and a handful of English-speaking children to hang out with. And they're coming from Belgium um, and they want their children to have English kids to chat to. Is Le Cluesa a good place for that? Are there any English tour operators? Um, she says, you've been banging on about it being a good place to ski, but we, <laughs> we need skiing plus English speakers. So I think the right. key question here is anyone speak English over in Le um, I'm going to say that Le Cluesa doesn't feel that English. Um, there's not a huge amount of Englishness. About it, maybe you want to consider just around the corner in the Grand Bonnard, uh, Grand Bonon. Um, there seems to be a lot more English families that go there. Um, you hear a lot more English voices there. Um, if you're looking for a good ski school, um, obviously there's the ESF, you can have, uh, Evolution 2 is here as well, but I would recommend using the ESI, the guys in blue. They are really good. Our children have been in uh, multiple lessons with those and they speak very um, really good English. And it seems to me that um, a lot of the um, English-speaking families tend to use them more. So I would say use the ESI. I couldn't guarantee there will be all UK kids, but in my experience, there's always some in there. So they will have that. Um, there's ESI in the Cluza and ESI in Chennaion, which is um, over in the Gromborn area. There is one um UK tour operator and it's actually skiweekender.com, not to be confused with ski weekends or um ski weekend the other one there's that three or ski weekends but it's skiweekender.com. Um it's a UK tour operator, it's run by Paul. They're based in uh, Saint Jean de Sixth which is a village in between Grand Bournon and La Clousa where my children go to the visit uh, go to school and there's bus access to both resorts from there um or you can drive five minutes each way so that's a good option for you too um obviously if you're really desperate to hang out with some kids um and it's the right time of year you can um, drop us a line you can hang out with my children they speak english and i'm sure we can find some <laughs> others um so i think my answer is uh, there are plenty of opportunities um that you want the answer to however maybe it's not the complete answer you might want to you say you don't want to go to the three valleys as well so maybe you want to look at somewhere like uh, Liddell, where you get. A lot more Englishness for your money. Is that a good mm. enough answer? Uh,
1: that is a very, very thorough uh, answer indeed. I found it quite interesting. That um, So you think there's more Brits in general in Le Grand Bonon than in La Cluza?
0: It really does feel like that, considering have you ever met a British person other than me that would tell you about the Grand Bonn? Vanessa doesn't count. <laughs>
1: Um, yeah probably I went on a press trip there a few years ago so that's why I know it but maybe if I hadn't I wouldn't know it uh, I wouldn't know it at all um, and Saint-Jean-de-Six is that where you live in La Cluza? that's your um, kind of I
0: town? kind of live between Saint-Jean and um, La Clouse but Saint-Jean's a little village that you come up to and then you can split off yeah. uh, in either direction it's like yeah. a really really mini Moutier or bourg okay. but really oh, I'm stupid. sure it's
1: a lot I'm sure it's a lot nicer than Moutier oh yeah um, Saint-Jean-de-Si sounds like a very beautiful now. it's it's a long way up the mountain what's the altitude there uh
0: it is um 950 yeah
1: so it's pretty high uh as well and just to clarify the ESI so you said the ESF everyone knows that the ESI is it Ecole de Ski International is that what that yes. is yes yes yeah. correct Yeah, Um, I found them to
0: be, right, they've been super good. And, you know, I often found with ESF that, you know, you you often see an ESF structure at the back smoking a tab and uh, on his mobile phone. (laughs) But um, I've never seen an ESI instructor do that. Um, If the ESF want to get in in touch with the show, they can and I will listen to your complaint.
1: Right. Well, you know, just to even that out, I will say that my kids have had some very good instructors from the ESF uh in different trips particularly uh les saisie a couple of years ago the um can't remember his name now but the guy they had there absolutely loved him he was brilliant and as far as i know although i wasn't there the whole time he was never smoking a t- <laughs> tab in the background <laughs> right so that was q a with jim and ian
0: oh hang on ian. There was, oh, there's sorry. another question Oh, there was a um, facebook message above that one from andrew brannan oh andrew um, he originally sent in, um, I don't know, I didn't read it, it looked like spam, um, and then he's come back more. And he said that you've been asking for questions, and he yes. has been wondering whether I should be wearing baggy denim look pants hanging around my uh, ass, <laughs> or how about one of those jester hats that fill up like a parachute he's squandering? Uh, He also says, I once met a man um, in Maribel skiing in a tweed jacket, shirt and tie. I think I've met that man too. Um, I guess it depends on how old you are and how much of a dick you're prepared to look. He says, I'm 50 and I don't want to look like one of those. So what should I be wearing? Well, I'm going to suggest (laughs) that you don't wear an inflatable penis suit when skiing. Um, I do like the tweed look. Um, I think the most important thing, Ian, is comfort, dryness and warmth. And if you get that from a jester's hat, no matter how 90s that looks, Maybe you should wear one. I think I've actually got a picture of me um, on my first ski trip to Bulgaria with one of those hats on. I mean, I'd right. never wear one
1: now. I mean, you know, that's long enough ago to excuse you, really. But um, That was fashion, then. Yeah, it's a good question, though, from, uh, from Andrew, and I, I, I'd miss that one. Um, bag, what about baggy denim-look park pants? Should, do, do you have them? And
0: I don't have them, but if I was um, in the park a lot and I was good... And that was my scene. I'd probably wear it. It's tribal, isn't it, I think, skiing? Yeah. Like the clothing you wear is part of the tribe that you're in. Within this small community, there's these subdivisions. And it's, I think it's about associating yourself with who you want to look like. Yeah, um, I suspect
1: that most 50-year-olds aren't going to dress like that. And if they do, it's not a very good idea. I mean, I'd be thinking, you know, I like the the sort of the clean look that you get from... Um, You know, Arcterics or uh, Patagonia. The only trouble Mm with that is, (laughs) they're bloody expensive.
0: (laughs) Yeah, Patagonia should really sponsor this podcast. I'd love
1: that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, go on, Patagonia, if you're listening. Just sponsor us. We're gladly wearing stuff. But uh, we've got another question from Andrew as well, but I think we'll save that for Q&A with Jim and Ian next time around.
0: Absolutely. I think it's a bit more of a sensible question than that one. Yeah. Um, And, yeah you know what the people who get me in are the ones that dress like an instructor. I think out of anyone, like I, I hate fancy dress on the mountain. It makes me really cross, even though I've done it. And I, I, Part of me died the day I saw my reflection um, as I was snowboarding as Popeye. Uh, but um, people who dress like ski instructors, I think they're the, the craziest ones when they rock up in their red spider suit and then are absolutely terrible at skiing. I think that is the lowest of ski fashion, trying to rock out the red one all in one. Um You've been talking to someone who can actually ski in. What's her name, and what's it all about?
1: Yeah, Emily Sarsfield. Um, obviously, an extremely good skier. Uh, in that she's represented uh, Great Britain at the Olympics in ski cross, which is the area that she's been specialising in for, for quite a long time now. Um, she's uh, one of the, I guess, probably the veteran athletes on the uh, on the team. But uh, I first met her out in Mirabel when you know we we're doing natives and doing races out there, uh, and she is out in Mirabel again this winter, and she's got a, a women-only uh, camp, um, through uh, organised by a company called Ticket to Ride, and I, I met up with her at a, an event recently. And I had a little chat to her about it. Okay, so I'm here in London, and I'm with uh, Emily Sarsfield, uh, Olympian uh, ski cross uh, athlete, and. Um, I hear that this winter you're going to be out in Mirabel and you're going to be doing a uh, a ski and yoga camp but for women only, is that right?
2: Yeah, that's right. I mean, this is actually going to be the third year we've ran this camp. Um, it's with Ticket to Ride uh, in association with them, and they put them up in a chalet and everything's laid on. And the idea is that they kind of get to experience the mountain with just ladies. I'm going to give four hours of coaching every day, um, and also they get yoga thrown, thrown in throughout the week. Sometimes yeah. we've had that on the top of the mountain, which okay. is pretty, uh, so, pretty so cool. So how
1: does that work? You're, you're coaching them, so what kind of areas would you cover in that week then?
2: Yeah, so um, the, the actual week is actually targeted towards kind of like people who can ski red runs and stuff. So it is a good, like, quite a good level of, of lady skier. And uh, we try to do everything across that week. They get asked kind of about what they want to focus on before they actually get out there. So I can pr- kind of have a little think about what I'm going to do. And depends what the conditions allow. We do everything from piste to park. To a little bit of ski cross, um, off piste. You take bumps.
1: them on the ski cross. Where, where do you do that in Meribel? Is that up by in the um, area fifty one? Is it called
2: fifty three? Yeah, we've got area a little 53. snow park up there, but actually we kind of we've got Free valleys passes, so yeah. we've got all of the Free valleys, do and you? we've okay. also got the World Cup track kind of, which is over in Val okay. So we take the girls kind of everywhere to all my little right. kind of like. Ex- the spots which when, I like to when, showcase. When I've been
1: to uh, Layman <laughs> Weir, my kids love uh, the, the two skier cross yeah. courses they have there. Yeah. I mean, they're great fun. You try those ones as yeah, well? Yeah, no, we
2: did do those last year, but I must admit, when we were in Layman Weir last year, we tended to stick to the powder because we actually got fresh powder. Um, and you were in... there in
1: February, right? Is no, that... we
2: were there actually in e- just before Easter. Okay. So we were there kind of early April. And what are, um,
1: the, what are the dates this year then?
2: Um, it, again, it's going to be kind of around that time, early right. April.
1: Okay, <laughs> and what, what do you think? The benefit is of having like a a women women only trip.
2: Um, I think kind of a lot of the ladies who I spoke to on the trip, it's kind of more about um, they just want to. Quite often they get dragged around by their boyfriend or their partner because quite often men want to go a little bit faster, don't really think about really? technique, <laughs> and uh, they just feel like they're on chasing and catch up or looking after the kids and stuff all week. Yeah. So this is a chance for them to actually really let their hair down and focus just on their skiing and their own experience in the mountains and actually just take in the whole environment and yeah get better. And I think the big thing is the fact that they're they're not on they're not on catch up all week and they can just do the, they can okay. go to their own pace and learn for themselves and I
1: imagine you get quite a good level of um, camaraderie during the course of that week yeah
2: I think over the last years every single lady has turned up, we've never had anyone come, they've all been single individuals who've come out on the trip which has been which has been amazing really and we've had everyone from mid 20s through to mid 60s on the last camp and they all got on so well um, and yeah they, they kind of do apres and stuff together in fact we all do um, and yeah it's, it's can okay. be really good
1: So last year I interviewed a Chemi Orca, and I was talking to her about uh, like a stat in the Ski Club of Great Britain survey, which showed that a way fewer women ski relative to men. And I wondered, you know, why? Why you think that might be?
2: I think, I mean, over the years, I don't, I can't say for certain, but kind of skiing is kind of seen as one of those extreme sports. Um, so maybe that kind of like, I don't know. Guys are kind of more up for kind of just going and throwing themselves down a mountain, whereas ladies most think about, you know, family and looking after their body a little bit more. And I know in ski cross, I mean, there's a lot less females do it than men purely because of that mental, that fear aspect. Right. So I think that's got a lot, of do, lot to do with it. So actually getting ladies together in one group and kind of eradicating that fear element because we're yeah. all in the same boat together.
1: I think something else you said earlier as well is true is that, uh, you know, it is a generalisation, but women in general are more likely to be looking out for the family and therefore that, you know, that's on their mind when they're, uh, when they're actually uh, you know, on holiday. So to be able to go away on their own is better for them. Anyway, thanks very much for your time, Emily. That's Thank great. You. Thanks, Ian. Um,
0: as, as a man, Ian, I want to say this, um, I think Ticket to Ride is a really good tour operator. I've seen their chalets, I've experienced their food and the, the experience was excellent um and that's all I got really. that's uh that's my um answer to that good interview though very interesting
1: good thank you well it was really it was such a, a loud venue we had to kind of find somewhere around the corner but you know she's always really interesting to talk to and you know her story where uh she really should have gone to two olympics but she was robbed of her place in one, and eventually made it you know I'm so pleased for her and it's great to see her you know able to you know be I don't know making a living out of the industry and I guess we need to get some more females uh, onto the show because as uh, white, I'll call us middle-aged males, we're not really qualified to uh, comment on some of these things, are we?
0: Um, no, definitely not. Um, and I wouldn't wouldn't pretend to be anything else. Um, obviously, uh, the other thing about that, Merrill is a really good place to ski. You mentioned um, the competitions where you met. her. Didn't we run a ski cross competition? That was like the last year um, we both went together. Is that right?
1: Could could have been we we used to do slalom um in Maribel on the Stad uh, for a long time. We do a parallel slalom race and uh, and a GS. And I think we ran one or two uh, uh, ski cross uh, courses in um, that area. Is it called area? It's a DC. DC area forty three. Forty three. Okay, that one. That really good uh, ski cross course they have at the top.
0: Yeah, it was good. And it's still there, I think. Um, and it grows every year. They put a lot of effort into that um, entire area. So if you're interested in that, then you should do that. Um, TicketToRideGroup.com is their website if you want more information. What other information do people need to know about that course, Ian?
1: I think probably they're best off having a look on the uh, website. They need to be a woman if they want to go.
0: <laughs> important important <laughs> information there. Yeah. Reviews is next.
3: Look at that. Yeah, yeah well, been, we're going back to... People have been reviewing
0: us, why we haven't been here.
1: I know, it's good, isn't it? Although no one's reviewed us on iTunes. So I don't really know how much difference that makes, actually, because um, I think iTunes is... I mean... You change your tune there. Find yeah. us. It helps people find us, but iTunes is being degraded. I mean, it's all about Apple Podcasts, and maybe the reviews appear in the same place, but no one else has reviewed us on there. But Facebook, Liz Murray, who asked that question earlier... She had some very kind things to say about us. What did she say? (laughs) Well, she said a huge congratulations on the podcast. As a loyal listener, it's right up my street. I'm a middle aged mum of two with a a non skiing husband. That must be challenging. Having tried my hand at ski racing before the children arrived. So, hugely appreciate the opportunity to relive so many of the great things about being in the mountains you discuss on the show. So, that is great. Yeah.
0: If Liz was available, I think on the 8th of March. Yeah. She could be heading to Merabeau with uh, um, uh, Emily Sarsfield for yeah. um, a week of female-owned schemes.
1: Yeah, that would be perfect for her actually, wouldn't it? Um it would be really perfect. at home with the kids. husband. Yeah. Um she also says thanks again for doing the podcast, well it really is a pleasure. Um, I laugh out loud quite often at how Alan Partridge could learn a thing or two now what do you think about that
0: um i'm 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 assuming that we're both channeling alan uh, ourselves <laughs> and i think she's referring to that episode where um i was held at gunpoint and then you came in and rescued me um,
1: that was a good episode <laughs>
0: wasn't it or yeah, is she that... referring to that bit where i was doing the uh, the corporate and i got a cow chopped off me off on a ski bridge i
1: think that's that, that could one. have been it as long as it wasn't the lady boys of bangkok or, or whatever else you watch in your spare time
0: Um, there's another review from um, frank safari via the facebook um, review section please do use it Um, it says new listener here and it's breaking the monotony of my walk to work wow your walk to work must have been monotonous Um, we're glad to be of service Um, thanks for that review frank Um, i'm really pleased some people say we are monotonous so uh, it's good to know that we're not
1: that's a very good point. But, you know, now I've just realised we were compared to the one show. Aren't we the one show of skiing? Someone said before. I can't remember uh, that. And now we've also been compared to Alan Partridge. I feel a theme uh, here.
0: Um, yeah, there is a theme. Maybe there were really... I don't know. Alan Partridge's programme is very good. Alan Partridge, not necessarily. I can't <laughs> stand the one show. It's terrible maybe that
1: wasn't the wrong to mention I will mention a a friend of mine called Charlie Morton who hasn't left us a review anywhere in writing but honestly she told me that uh, she really enjoys the podcast when I I met her at uh, the Three Valleys event and so thank you very much Charlie and keep listening
0: I do love an unconfirmed review it's the best (laughs) the best type Um, we're going to go over to Montenegro now Um, Ian's been chatting to Mike Richards is that correct
1: yeah, but he that's was on right. the
0: podcast last time,
1: yeah. two ago. Yeah, he um, was telling us about his trip to Georgia, and during the course of that conversation, uh, you know, Mike is actually an extremely well-travelled uh, skier. spends his winters in Japan, and we can talk to him about that at some point. But he mentioned to me that he'd been skiing in Montenegro, which I found fascinating. So uh, I interviewed him about that. And what, what prompted you to uh, to head to Montenegro? I mean, I imagine most people. I guess there uh, are uh, mountains in every country, but I can't get many tourists
3: skiing there. Uh, they've got a developed uh, ski product, ski industry there. But yeah, from the west, not many going that that, venturing that far north. They kind of tend to stop at Romania and Bulgaria <laughs> and don't go that far, that far east. But much like the Georgia trip that I took and we spoke about earlier, um, it's pretty much looking at the, the weather forecast and looking at things like snow forecast and seeing who's getting the snow. And at that time um, in February 2011, uh, the Balkans would really get impounded with, with great snow conditions, whereas more west, uh, the traditional alpine areas of Western Europe, were, were getting relatively nothing. Right. Well, I mean, that's a so spur of the moment trip to Montenegro. There can't be many people who do that. I take it you
1: did you fly direct into the country?
3: I didn't at the time. I went on a a bit of a road trip. So I went via Skopje, Macedonia, and sort of went through Kosovo and into Montenegro and back. But yes, you can uh, fly directly from the United Kingdom. Uh, The main airport is Podgorica. Okay.
1: And um, what um, resort or resorts did you head to?
3: I went to two. Um, The first one I went to was a place called Cook, which is in the Dermatour National Park, which is a, a, a beautiful area north of Podgorica, um, north of the country of Montenegro, and then just a little bit south of that is a Kolashin, fourteen fifty, and the fourteen fifty is the the base area of the of the mountain. So those are the two developed um, ski resorts, um, and developed in inverted commas, much like most of uh, the undiscovered gems in sort of uh, Eastern Europe, where they've got the infrastructure, but it doesn't compare with what we're used to in in uh, the western part of of uh, Europe and in the Alps. So what, what kind of, how many lifts or people have Um In Savin Cook, they've got two or three lifts um, and a healthy vertical, 700 metres. But when I was there, there was only the bottom half of the mountain was open. Um, so you had to ski tour where the, the, the top lift was closed. I think that was more about money and lack of people rather than, you know, the infrastructure was broken as such. They just couldn't afford to, to keep running it. Okay. It, what it, sort of altitude were you, were you able to get lifts up to then? So the in Savin Cook, it goes from 1,550 to just over 1,900 metres, and then it's a short skin then um, on a recognised area. So you, it's not as if you're having to uh, to do any route finding or map reading yeah. to get to that next point, and then that goes up to 2,200 metres, so a good 700 metres vertical.
1: Yeah.
3: And then back uh, uh, down on Imagining... You know, once you started touring, there was no one or very few people up there? There was nobody up there. People had been there in the past, you know, but the day I was up there, they, I was on my own. There, there was an obvious track that you could uh, follow, um, and it was a beautiful sunny day, so you, you had a real 360 panorama, right. and from the top of the mountain, the, the all the areas you went to just flowed back down to uh, the base area and the lifts, but there was a big backside, so if you'd been with other people and organized a pickup um, the world was your oyster there's there's a lifetime of, of skiing
1: right okay and and the terrain what
3: kind of terrain are we uh, talking about in the lower mountain fairly mellow um and, uh, with tree line runs uh really lovely pieces you know nobody on them so you can really let yourself go uh, they got about four kilometers a piece which you know doesn't sound much but when when there's nobody on them then they're great and then it sort of gets a really rocky, buttress, kind of cliff-lined kind of feel to it with a big, huge bowl. Um, and once you get up above that, then um, you can have anything from wide open faces to the tightest shoots, so you, you feel comfortable. skiing. Great.
1: And, and you obviously went, you said, when the conditions were good, so you got good snow while you were there as well.
3: Yeah, I was lucky. it was um it hadn't it had snowed a couple of days before I got there, which was great because then the snow had settled because it was above tree line. And then I timed it that the, the resort I'd been to previously was more tree line, so I'd skied that it during the storm and then sort of arrived in town, the sun came out and I had a great couple of days then of um really good uh, visibility for, for the scheme with obvious lines that are all flowing, I said, flowing back that's, to the main that's area. Right. And when, when we covered Georgia, we uh, we put a video of
1: yours in the uh, show notes that made Jim and I both very uh, jealous. So you got a video like that we can drop in for Montenegro as well?
3: I've got a little bit. I did meet two other guys on the second yeah. day that I was up there. Uh, they'd come in from the Czech Republic. So we kind of sort of... Um, Made our way down together, and I got a few little clips of them. They got a few little clips of me to give a sense of the area, Um, but certainly not the same conditions we had in Georgia. But I had had them uh, lower down. Okay. Yeah, and um,
1: you know when we again with the Georgia, referring back to it again, it's in it's in episode thirty seven. If other listeners want to track it down, but what about the language issues then? Um, I mean, I don't uh, have to show my ignorance. So I have no idea what they speak in Montenegro. It's, it's a hybrid,
3: and that was one of the, you know, the the problems that they had during the the war that they had in in the in the Balkans war, unfortunately. Um, but they've got a reputation of being the Switzerland of the Balkans, so oh, the farthest yeah. um, west of those kinds of countries that were involved with the conflict, and they didn't really get that much uh, destruction. Um, so as a consequence, yeah. the the, the The country is very very pretty, um, and there's very much an outward looking rather than an inward looking uh, populace. So plenty of English. As far as
1: communication was concerned, was it uh, easy for you to kind of make yourself understood? Absolutely,
3: absolutely. They were, you know, very, uh, um, very easy. There was always somebody around that spoke English, um, and then a few key, you know. Pleasantries sort of sort of got you, but you know, in the mountains, as we spoke with Georgia, once you're in the mountains, or if you're a coastal person, there's the kind of common language with sign language, and <laughs> that sort of gets you by. Yeah, and and obviously
1: it was a few years ago, eight years ago that you were there, but um, you know, price wise, I'm guessing it was pretty good value.
3: Oh, amazing! You know, I was I was traveling solo, so you kind of get a little bit uh, stung if you don't do the hostel route, and there weren't many of those kinds of hostel. Yeah. Setups in the mountains, certainly plenty at the coastal areas in Montenegro. Um so I but I was even in really nice hotels, you're still only paying about fifty-five euros for half board. Right. Yeah. So that a
1: lift lift ticket. I presume you had to buy a lift ticket. I <laughs> can't remember how much that was
3: for yeah. your, Um for at the time it was uh, 12 euros in Savin Cook and 15 euros in Kolasheen. And then I've yeah. looked since, and they haven't gone. They still haven't broken the twenty euro barrier for for a day ticket. Wow, you know, so that that's amazing, isn't it? So twenty twenty euros can
1: get you up to nineteen hundred meters. well, actually, I presume those top lists might be open
3: uh, now. It just happened to be that time when you were there. Possibly, yeah, possibly. It, you know, they've a lot of those countries. When I mentioned when we talked about Georgia in the previous episode, that you know a lot of infrastructure. Um was already established, but a lot of money has been plowed back into that infrastructure to get it going because they yeah. recognize that tourism is the way forward yeah and you said this was a road trip i you know i can see I actually had to look up Montenegro on the map, and I know it's
1: kind of uh, wedged between a number of countries, but it's close you went to the coast as well on your uh, as part of the i didn't
3: on i didn't on this one, but certainly if you you know you when you compare it with other resorts in Western Europe, you kind of wouldn't just go to montenegro to one of the resorts and have a a traditional seven-day holiday but you could easily fly on one of the low-cost carriers to uh, Podgorica, pick up a cheap rental car do a couple of days for example in Savin cook a couple of days you know two to three in colachine and then two to three of the coast and between that time you could have a a two-center holiday or a three-center holiday but certainly coast and mountain and really get a sense of what montenegro has got to offer
1: well, um, Mike, it's a pleasure speaking to you again. And I'm afraid I, I have to watch out for these uh, uh, interviews that we do because all you're doing is adding extra places onto my bucket list, which is <laughs> just getting just getting longer and longer. Because I'm thinking, wow, you know that sounds great, and I see it's quite near Dubrovnik as well. So you know, that's uh, quite a, um, a destination that's also on there. Maybe I can tick off lots of things at the uh, at the same time.
3: Yep, yeah, definitely. And and Dubrovnik, the the the, the main coastal area of. Uh of Montenegro is Kotor, which is pretty much what Dubrovnik was 10, 15 right, okay. years ago. Same sort of feel, same sort of right, architecture. Before, not uh, they started filming Game of Thrones there.
1: <laughs> cool, well, much, it's brilliant to speak much. to you again, Mike. Um, and thank very much for your time. And I know that you're always seeing in lots of uh, exciting places, winters in Japan. Uh, so no doubt we'll, uh, we'll speak again and have you on the show again in due course. Thanks very much for your time.
0: The thing with these interviews from Mike... Uh, makes me feel like i've got to up my obscure ski destination game in <laughs> so um I was having a look. I might go to cyprus oh yeah and ski ski on Mount Olympus they've got four lifts I can't find a peace map, but they probably don't need it um and I can fly direct from Geneva, so maybe I might do that that's that's um what I might go for right
1: well um that would be a great feature i'd I'd love to hear more about that i i did um kind of gone off the more exotic kind of ideas for this winter but I had been reading about Mount Etna uh, and you can go ski touring and skiing on Mount Etna in Sicily I thought that would be quite an interesting one Um, I could drive there and get
0: the ferry couldn't I
1: well there you go there you go I think that would be Ooh. fascinating. What what I've read is that you know you, what you need to do is you need to make sure the snow conditions are good. You need to do it like Mike has done it. You know, he's obviously a very flexible kind of guy, and uh, you know he waits to see when the conditions are good, and then he heads to that uh, destination.
0: Ah, I mean, I've got the flexibility. I don't think I've got the spare cash, <laughs> and I'm not. Then I'm not saying Mike's minted, but I can't
1: feeling he might have a little bit of money in his pocket. <laughs> Uh, I I don't know, but as long as he keeps uh, giving us you know interesting uh, uh, insight into places you can ski around the world that you wouldn't normally do, then keep going for it, Mike.
0: Yeah, um, yeah, um, we won't speculate on your financial arrangements <laughs> any longer. <laughs> what we will do is speculate on what might come up in the next few ski shows, uh, ski
1: podcasts. Oh, oh right, well, yes, ski podcasts. So this is would you f-
0: would you would you like to mention um, the ski show ticket before that?
1: Well, we will be talking about the London Ski Show, or to, we must get it accurate, is actually called a festival, the London Ski and Snowboard Festival. i have almost called, forgotten that. Yeah, London Ski and Snowboard Show, but um, for whatever reason, they've rebranded it. I think probably they think there's not enough festivals around these days. But anyway, the point is it's on in October, and assuming we get this published in time, there's actually a ticket uh, offer that you can uh, get a, a discount um, up to the uh, 31st of August. And in fact, I might as well tell you what it is. You need to use a code Fest 20 That gets you 20% off, I
0: think. Fest 20
1: Yeah. Or oh, hold on. No, no. Yes. Well, anyway, I'm going to put the link into the show notes and uh, you can definitely get their early bird tickets before the 31st of August.
0: Brilliant. And um, we'll um, speak to people at the show and see if we can get another early bird ticket. If you're not in time for that,
1: that's a very good idea. Yeah.
0: And will you be over
1: for that, uh, Jim? Will you be coming over in October at all?
0: Um, There is talk. It's half term, isn't it? So there has been talk. Yes. We might be back in October. Um, So it could well happen. Who knows? Mm. Well, the dates for it.
1: yeah, uh, 24th to 27th of October in um, Battersea Park, uh, for anyone who wants to come along to that.
0: The London Ski and Snowboard Show, right?
1: Yes. Festival.
0: Festival. Get I mean, I, st- I still refer to um, the co-op as uh, gateways, so there's no <laughs> chance for me. Um, uh, so, speculatively, coming up uh, in the future, I'm, I'm going to go skiing, in next week.
1: Excellent. Where's that?
0: I'm going on the Sasfle Glacier. It's still open. Um, it yeah. close. If not, I'll end up on the Monte Rosa in Zermatt again. And I'm going with my um, old mate Dave um, from Snow Pro Ski School. Excellent. So if anyone, um, if I haven't gone before this, this will probably go out on the day just before we leave. So if anyone wants any tips or techniques you'd like me to cover, emergency drop me a facebook message or email us and um i can ask dave about it i might even bring up um that question that uh i can't remember his name i'm so terrible at names the guy who had the andrew, snow park andrew i might ask him about ski length
1: as well that's a really good idea i, I always like those uh, features um and i look forward to hearing what you think about sasfe in summer i've never been there i think you probably find there'll be a bunch of athletes training out there in the snow park so well, see if you can well, get an yeah. interview
0: well, Dave did do a review of um, what the snow you was like in that mini-episode we released um, a week before last. Um, and he said, yeah, there's lots of athletes out there. Uh, maybe yeah. I'll just gate crash. Maybe I'll do a Martin Brundle-esque grid walk down and see you people are.
1: <laughs> cool. Uh, and I think also next week uh, or next episode, we've got an interview with Gavin Foster from Ski Weekend uh, to be precise about uh, their um, early season event he's putting on in Val d'Isere.
0: Ooh, exciting. Um, I'm hoping to chat to a man um, about sli- uh, s- splitboarding um, and splitboarding tours in remote places. Um, I think our old friend Mike might like this episode. It's about going um, remote places on splitboards. It might not happen, but that's what I'm hoping.
1: Yeah. Okay, good. Well, I'll look forward to that. And we'll be going back to sort of every, I don't know, every two weeks or so from, uh, from now on. So uh, for you, listener you uh for your walk to work or your commute or your run or your gym etc you're going to get a lot more content to listen to over the autumn and winter
0: brilliant and most importantly don't forget to share the podcast with all your cool ski mates
1: ah very good yeah very good and give us some reviews
0: give us some reviews get in touch with the show in the usual way um and you can find that all on our website the anyway thanks for listening um ian i'll chat to you soon
1: okay have a have a good ski if i don't speak to you i don't think i will speak to you before then so have a good ski i will do take care everyone cheers bye